This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 95, where we're talking about Gotham Heroes Rise, season 3, episode 16, These Delicate and Dark Obsessions. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to Gotham TV Podcast, episode 95, where we're talking about season 3, episode 16 of Gotham, These Delicate and Dark Obsessions. Do you know what's been my obsession this weekend, John? Oh, go on. San Diego Comic-Con. I have been watching every moment I possibly oh, yeah. could. I mean, we got a few spoilers for season four as well. Yeah, we did. For, for season but good three. spoilers. For season three, yeah. Oh, God. The episodes we haven't seen so far, but but that's okay. That's true. Don't really mind. It was great fun seeing uh, seeing all of the cast of Gotham down yeah. there. Great to see Sean Pertwee make it. He was he was flown in on a plane, arrived during the signing session for the uh, for the cast of Gotham. It was quite cool. Poor David is back for filming season four, so couldn't make it down to San Diego. Uh, but quite cool seeing them all there. Yeah, absolutely. Really uh, great seeing them all there. It was uh, amazing to see. Uh, Babs there. Mm-hmm. That was one of the spoilers for this season for me, and obviously season four. But she was looking very white. She had bleach blonde mm-hmm. hair, yeah. or bleach white hair almost, um, looking um, radiant. I'd say radiant. Yeah, radiant. No, she looked really good, <laughs> but she, yeah, she looked really good, but. There was a hint of a Harley Quinn about Ooh, her. Oh, don't say that. Don't I know, that. I know I shouldn't. No. I know I'll get beaten up, probably. <laughs> By but, me, probably. I don't want Babs to be but, Harley Quinn. Yeah. It was interesting. I just wondered whether it was to do with the character. Mm, maybe, maybe. We'll be, we'll be intrigued. Given season four is filming. They are filming season four at the moment, yeah. But lots of cool uh, San Diego Comic-Con stuff going on this weekend in the, in the movie universe as well. Uh, not going to talk about that in this podcast. This podcast is obviously all about Gotham. Um, so we may talk about it on another podcast. Absolutely. And of course, I'm one of your other hosts, John. <laughs> That's true, yes. I'm, I'm Derek. I'm one of your hosts, obviously, if you haven't uh, haven't tuned in before. Uh, but yes, this episode we're going to get Carried away with San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, Loads going on, both for Gotham and, of course, within the Marvel uh, Universe as well. And yeah. if you want to check anything out in relation to our podcast on all things Marvel Netflix Defenders... Uh, you can go to DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes um, and anything to do with Gotham and the DC-verse to some extent. Yeah. You can go to GothamTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. And of course, both those podcasts are also uh, available in any other Good or evil podcast catcher. That's right, yeah, yeah. Just search for Gotham TV Podcast or Defenders TV Podcast if you want to catch up with all of our stuff. Um, I think it's time to get into the episode, John. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, this episode was directed by our wonderful leader of Gotham, Ben McKenzie, directing an episode of Gotham. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I have to say, what a job. Um, really want to give Ben McKenzie some props here. Mm-hmm. I thought the visual style on this episode of Gotham... I mean, Gotham has a great visual style anyway in terms of how they um, dress the sets, the clothes that are worn, the locations that they pick, and how they kind of, you know, transform New York in- into Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
some of the framing, some of the shots uh, from Ben McKenzie here, I thought were really, really good. And some of the effects, you know, that have been used and how they were used by him uh, was really good. Like we've seen the Ivy Pepper um, uh, fatal attraction uh, smell. Mm -hmm. But this time as well, we got to see the hallucinogenic... um, pins or, or well, yeah. Uh, yeah. what's it called the um acupuncture pins yes. the hallucinogenic acupuncture pins um, and i thought that was a great effect that was uh, cool. as well and i just thought it was really uh, nicely shot um so yeah We're covering all oh. of that in one episode as well it's kind of yeah. it's kind of cool to give that to a, to a first time director like ben, ben mckenzie he's known obviously for all of the episodes so far in gotham yeah through a... episodes one to 66 That's or right. however many episodes have been done <laughs> yeah you may know him from such shows <laughs> as gotham you might recognize him yes uh, and of course if you are old and withered like myself um you may also remember him in his iconic white vest which has been referenced a few times yeah. uh, from the OC absolutely and of course he was in Southland as yeah. well which was another collaboration with the showrunner that's right yeah one of the interesting things about all of that is that he's never done a show where there's so much I suppose hallucinogenic things going on in an episode so giving him an episode that's not a straight up um, standard cop drama is really interesting and he's, I think he handled it really well yeah really good yeah. I know I know Robin Lord Taylor and Drew Pell and the interview we, we had with them as, uh, at London's Hero Villain Fan Fest they were very complimentary to the fact that he is the leader of their group and is able to really give them good direction uh, in the show he knows them all really really well so um, go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't heard of that interview that we had with uh, with the two members of the of the cast uh, very cool uh, but i thought they were they were very complimentary about having ben mckenzie so i'd be wouldn't be surprised at all if he becomes a regular uh, director on the show absolutely yeah but the episode was written by Robert Hull, another one of the main writers on the show. He's one of the executive producers and had many credits uh, over the last three seasons of Gotham. And one of, one of my favourite writers really enjoyed a lot of his episodes before. Absolutely. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what, he, what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Absolutely. Sure. As Cobblepot recovers from his wounds, he attempts to build an army to take back power from Ed, Nigma, Barbara, Tabitha and Butch. He calls Gabe, who betrays and attempts to auction him off. But Ivy comes to the rescue with her Truth and Command perfume, revealing that Gabe never respected Oswald and saw him as a freak. In retribution, Oswald trowel kills Gabe and begins to listen to Ivy's suggestion to build an army of freaks. At the dungeon, a shaman tells Bruce that he can be Gotham's saviour, but needs training beyond Alfred's boxing and fighting skills. But Bruce is suspicious and tries to escape his prison, only to find a never-ending circular loop of corridors. Once more back in his cell, the shaman gives Bruce hallucinogens that cause him to relive the night of his parents' murder, the moment that is clouding and holding back Bruce's progression. Soon after the traumatic memory, Bruce appears to accept the need for this specialised training. After learning a weapon is being transported to Gotham, Jim Gordon investigates the Court of Owls further and realises his father's death was a hit organised by his uncle Frank. Frank is ordered to kill Jim, but he instead commits suicide and Jim, following his uncle's last bit of advice, decides to meet with Catherine from the court. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was really good. And again, mm. another really nice little shot here where 
as he gets into the the car awaiting from the court and um, it goes to black and gotham goes comes through that black Absolutely. rather than with the the gotham skyline up That's behind true, it. Yeah, yeah. it it was a different um little uh use of the gotham logo there mm. at the end of the episode which i thought was again uh a really nice touch. It felt like a real cliffhanger moment. We are usually left with cliffhangers on, on a lot of the episodes of Gotham, but not normally like this. This really felt like um, we're we're shutting down here, come back next week. It's Absolutely. I would way. say Jim is going to get killed by the court and he'll be replaced <laughs> by a Jimmel ganger. <laughs> Possibly, but I don't think so. <laughs> Who maybe investigates more. Maybe, maybe. And doesn't leave, quote Leslie, a trail of death and destruction in his wake well, that he can move on from. You never know. You never know. But I think it's time to get into our case notes. And our first case note is about Jim's investigation. The investigation of his dad's fatal car accident. Yeah, it's, it's murder. murder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and how do we know this? All because of the Irish curse. Yes. <laughs> Derek. Cheers. <laughs> yes, the drunk driver uh, was called Michael Haas and um, had chronic persistent hepatitis, mm. which doesn't sound too great, to be honest, um, which means basically one sniff of alcohol and he would have been dead, basically, yeah. um, snotted. So there was no way he could have been drunk at the wheel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a really nice little through course here of this investigation. I love that it's Harvey ultimately that breaks the 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 sort of impasse on it by understanding the Irish curse. I know it's like as if he's saying it's some kind of fairy tale or a nightmare that's told to children from when they're born in Ireland that you never want to have this particular disease and they everybody learns the name. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. That's not what happens. We don't not get told as, as a kid, but I love the idea that it's that you're told this and all the way through your life, you know this is the one disease you don't want, not being able to have a sniff of, of, uh, of alcohol or you'll die. Well, it's more the, I suppose, the crazily sort of uh, traumatic children of Leah. Maybe. And it's fairly dark. It is fairly very, dark. very dark. Good story, though. Good story. Involves swans. So yes. dark swans. Evil <laughs> swans. I think it's... Um, Nothing to do with the uh, with the chronic persistent hepatitis, though. No, absolutely. And I think, like again, as he's investigating, uh, there's the moment where he goes to the cemetery. And again, I just want to pull this out. I thought this was a fantastic shot of Jim looking over Gotham with the cemetery there. Mm. Like the the shot was really, really awesome. Like we've um, been to that location quite a few times yeah. on the show because obviously a lot of people get killed in this show. And um, we've been there right back to the first season, and obviously um, when Leslie was with Mario. Yeah. Uh, but we've never seen it in this this side with uh, with Jim looking out over the city of Gotham with his with his father's grave in front of him. I thought that was a beautiful shot, really beautifully laid. Really, uh, really good. And of course, unfortunately for Leslie, um, she bumps into Ben. Um, Inverness again, quite interesting. Obviously, Ben directing himself as uh -huh. well as well as his wife. That's or, true. You know, so um, the wife now. Yeah. yeah. So I love though that Leslie again makes him burn um talking about the old couple um and and the, the well the old man visiting his his wife's grave um and and laughing and smiling whilst he's there because they shared a whole life together which jim didn't allow her um and luigi yeah. 
to to do. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mario, one, yeah, it was the, the other, other one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Terrible. You know, how can you go on and move on leaving such destruction in your wake, she mm-hmm. says. Yeah. Um, but the investigation does take a really interesting turn where it's shown that Falcone paid for the lawyer to effectively get the drunk driver uh, from going to prison uh, for any long period of time. I think he's in there for five years in Blackgate, but eventually gets killed in a kerfuffle um, (laughs) at Blackgate. A knife-wielding kerfuffle. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's quite interesting having Falcone involved in this because obviously everything that's gone on between Jim and Falcone over the years and also obviously that that Falcone knew his father. He respected his father. Um, So quite interesting to have him embroiled in this, again, showing the control of the court and showing how much they had over Falcone to make him do this on a person that he trusted and respected. Yeah, and Falcone ultimately lets the big bomb drop, which is that it was his uncle Frank Mm -hmm. that paid or ordered the hit on his own brother, uh, Jim's dad. So, um, yeah, like, what a... What a sort of twisty, turny world that Jim is living in uh, at the moment, really. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, like, and it it leads to some really good confrontations between him and his uncle. Like, I love the moment where his uncle sort of gets out of being cuffed. Um, you see Jim's wispy hair flying back, which uh-huh. is really funny. I always find because um, <laughs> it looks like it's brill cream down, oh, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden it goes a bit kind of wavy and, and and flashy as it, it gets knocked. But I, I, I love that and I, I love at the end um as well where ultimately mm. um his uncle Frank kills himself in order to allow Jim another route into sort of getting in um and infiltrating the Court of Owls Absolutely. by having this conversation with Catherine. And yeah. um, you know, right on cue, taxi um there's the black limo at the end yeah. of the 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 episode but i mean i can't yeah. say enough about this actor james remar who was in who yeah. was in the episode playing uncle frack like we we know him all the way back to dexter he was on that for years yes um, he was dexter's dad dexter, dexter morgan's dad that's right um he also was in my favorite one of my favorite films of all time in the warriors back uh, back in, ah, yeah, back yeah, in yeah. the 70s <laughs> um i didn't see it in the 70s i was way too young for it then but uh, but he's one of those true new york actors he's he's always around but he's also been involved in a lot of batman he's done a lot of um a lot of the animated series he's played two-face he's played black mask um, as as a voice in the animated series, so he's been around this quite a lot. So it's quite cool to have him in Gotham for the short time he's there for his his three episode stint. Yeah, but those confrontations that between Jim and, and Uncle Frank just really really worked. You know, yeah. it it it's kind of that moment where um, you know what's happening. Um, how is it going to work out? How is it going to pan? And it felt really really natural. I loved how Uncle Frank, you know took on Jim like they both have those same genes working in it and it's just like I, I love that kind of confrontation and I mean ultimately we do kind of see that you know after our discussion in our last episode and um, that Frank in a way was one of the good guys he does yeah. sacrifice it is a sacrifice of himself so that Jim can take on um the work that he was doing um and his dad I to undermine and destroy the course of owls. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is a really 
good little story arc that's happened. Uh, and I think it's been done really, really well. And I, li- I liked how it played out. Yeah, that you know, we were we were questioning his motives. We were wondering whether he was just trying to get Jim into the court, and and he was actually working for the court. But I like how they proved that. Uh, he was telling Jim the truth here. There's a lot of moments of hesitation with him, uh, which we didn't really see in previous episodes, and the fact that he kills himself um, to yeah. s- sacrifice himself, really, to, to give Jim this opportunity. And he's backed into a difficult situation with the court as well Absolutely. because they find out that Jim is now looking into his father's um, death and the accident there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's to, to the point where Frank really is convinced that the court no longer trusts him. Yeah. So... Um, Really, really interesting, um, I think. A great yeah. pairing in the show, definitely. Uh, speaking of pairings, our, our second case note is our, our brand yeah, new... The odd couple. Crazy couple, yes. Yeah. The Laurel and Hardy of Gotham. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Ivy Pepper and Oswald Cobblepot. Um, I really enjoyed their sort of just shouty interaction with one <laughs> another. Um, the, the, the sort of dismissive... Uh, view of Oswald and Ivy ultimately coming out and saying I just want you to like me like Ivy has had this all the way through Um, and I love that she really just puts that on the line and she's there trying to help him and he's coming out with I don't want any pine cone juice from the crazy plant lady Um, you know and I, I love how sort of they're really just not working. I mean, there's yeah. the, there's a great bit um, of banter where he just set, he's telling her the orders to give to the person that's under her control, and she just keeps shouting them. Yeah. And he's like, "Stop shouting!" And she, you know, you can see that hurts her. Like she she wants to be a part of Oswald Cobblepot, and you know she's helped him, brought him back from the brink of death, Absolutely. and he's coming out with crazy plant lady, yeah. or he's he's shouting at her, ordering at her. He's not listening to her um, at all um, with her warnings of our third point. Yeah, but he isn't. He isn't very. Uh, he isn't very grateful at all. Not really for for everything she's done for him. Uh, I love the interplay between the two characters. It's really interesting. Again, she's a she's a 15-year-old girl trapped in an older woman's body, so he probably just thinks of her as a bimbo. Maybe he doesn't know the fact that she's you know trying to make it in the world, has no real friends around, so she's reaching out to him, thinks, well, I saved this guy's life. Maybe he'll actually be nice to me, you know, because everybody has treated her so badly as a, as a uh, woman on the street, like, kid on the street, an urchin on the street, I guess, after her parents both died. Um, you know, she's had a really bad life up to this point. And she's just being friendly with him, but he's not taking anything from her at all. Absolutely. It's really good. Really, really good. Really good. And I do think it's going to be so intriguing. So you want to build an army. What about an army of freaks? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are we going to see a team up now with Fish Mooney and Professor Strange um, hooking up with Oswald to round up the freaks keep them in um, the lifestyle and the pharmaceuticals that they need in order to, <laughs> to survive because that will be really good. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, both Fish and Strange coming back. Obviously, they've been gone for a long time now, probably since, what, episode three, uh, two or three. I think it was Burn the Witch was the, the last yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, so I'd l- it'd be great to reconnect with these characters. What have they been doing? Absolutely. How are they going to interact with Oswald? Because you know it was left with Fish and Oswald kind of coming to some kind of understanding. Yeah. And yeah. now that he needs allies... 
he needs this freak army um it's really good and i love how he comes to accept himself as a freak as well and i think that probably moves us on to uh, our third case note um it does, yeah. which is because gabe gets greedy um, gabe, and gabe has been the right hand man or the yeah yeah because obviously um butch is uh, has always been Oswald's left-hand man when he's around. Uh, Gabe has been the right-hand man to uh, to Oswald right back to season one. Um, he's always been around. He's always been in the background. We've seen him in and out of episodes. He's the one that uh, that murdered um, Riddler's girlfriend. Um, he's the one that caused a cut the brakes on her on her car and killed her. So he's he's had a lot to do, but he's never really had many more than one or two lines. It's interesting for the cast or for the writers of Gotham, for Robert Hull, to take this character from the background and put him right up in the foreground and tell you everything you need to know about Oswald in this in this neat little package that you know he always thought there was just one person he could trust above and beyond everybody else because the guy was too stupid to know any better and what he finds out is he never trusted Oswald he never had his back he was just scared of him and thought he was a freak and, yeah. and would flip on a dime and kill him which he, is, in fact, what happens. Yeah, he went uh, with Penguin out of fear, not loyalty. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that it is this um, truth smell from from Ivy where she says, you know, do you promise um, to to be faithful, uh, to, to respect and be loyal to Oswald? And he says no. And it, it's the fact that Oswald before that has said, I can go with respect and fear. Um, and yeah. in the end, he says... Well, he, he kind of says that no one else respected you because they just saw you as a freak. Yes. Um, and that word. is what effectively makes Oswald go crazy. Um, but also it seems like he is shouting out freak, taking that ownership of it. So it's like he's decided, I am. And he, he is yeah. taking it on. He's owning that in the same way that Ed Nigma. Um, was taking on the persona and owning the Riddler Absolutely. moniker, and, and so, in the same way that Oswald was taking on the moniker of the Penguin, because that is yeah. that was a, a a thing that he used to trigger on and used to kill people on the back of calling him the Penguin. He did it on Freak before. I remember there was at least one murder where somebody called him a freak and he murdered them. Uh, this is the second time for that, at least. Um, it is a brutal murder and the death of a character that has, again, been a background character, but he's always been around. Um, so it is it is sad to see Gabe go. I am definitely sad to, that we'll, that we have this character. Yeah, so, absolutely. So he will now be arming himself or surrounding himself with the freaks, given, given Ivy's guidance. Yeah. It's quite interesting. And the Primrose has got a drink of blood. Yes, it is. Yes, those bloody primroses. Um, do, you think, do you think we'll have a little shop of horrors type of uh, well, growth? Well, in... I was thinking because they seem to be putting the bodies of the other uh, people that had come with Gabe, who he was going to sort of auction Oswald off to. Mm. It looked like, I mean, it looked very Hannibal-esque, actually, yeah. that they were burying them in soil. And I just wonder whether, you know, Ivy... She does like to experiment with plants. She Whether does. she does kind of like that whole mushroom arc from Hannibal, um, and does some She's kind also of grown mushrooms, yeah, that plants yeah. that are feeding off the humans, uh, or have just been fertilized with the the blood of, of Gabe. I so like it. That would be proper dark, proper good, really good uh, shop of horrors type thing. Yeah, maybe Absolutely. Gotham Knights for season four, maybe. You know, 
<laughs> but you know, we we've seen her already develop one. her you know smell and tell yeah. uh, potion. Yeah. So I like that too. That would sell like hotcakes on shelves. Yeah, there, wouldn't it? If you you can't the handle shop. the smell of the truth. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but then the other side of the episode is obviously the the court of owls and what they're doing in the city. It's quite cool. Our, our yeah. case note four is the court and its weapon. Um, I really like this. We're learning a bit more about the court and their intentions in the city. Um, this really felt like uh, Rachel Gould's plan from um, from Batman Begins. This idea of tearing down Gotham when it gets out of control and then rebuilding it in the way they want to. That was absolutely the plan of Gotham him. must fall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was the plan um, of Liam Neeson's Rachel Gould. In, yeah. in, uh, in Batman Begins. And so. it's fallen twice before. Interestingly. Interestingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I keep thinking that. The Scottish actor is going to come in um, who, was it in DC, must, Washington must fall and London must fall? <laughs> uh, and he's going to save the day. Gotham must fall. I love it. Yeah, it, it's the third in, in um, <laughs> the, the, the new series of, of movies. Yeah, the, the trilogy. Um, but yeah, I, I really Jared like Butler. this. I, yeah, Sorry, Jared Butler. Yeah, yes. Jared Butler, that's it. Um, <laughs> it's a really good idea. Yeah, Catherine makes reference as well to our leader when they're all having to put the feathers down on the table so he or she is not in the room is it um potentially a Raz al ghul mm. who it he could, be, could be the actual leader of the court of owls here mm-hmm. um but yeah as they're putting the feathers down to get unanimous uh vote on gotham being destroyed and yeah. rebuilt the other interesting thing and i know for me it kind of links in with our fifth note, but you know, we we see we're we're, we're hearing about this weapon, and um, we see that um, there's a big Indian hill box there that has been delivered to Dock Nine C. Is that weapon? Is that the weapon for Gotham that the court is going to use? Or, and I know we'll come on more with uh, our fifth point, uh-huh. but Bruce is in. The mountains yeah. in this cell with this teacher with the shaman mm-hmm. um being told that he can protect is bruce the weapon or is bruce the um the next stage of their plan i that they will destroy it but then he's there to be the defender the savior or will he be deployed in gotham um i suspect it's probably that they do intend on absolutely destroying gotham that gotham will fall and that then they've actually taken bruce to to teach him in these other ways that he can deploy to become or help him on the journey of becoming um probably a member of the court in their view or if it is raz al ghul maybe uh, a member of his group as well yeah perhaps uh, the league of Shadows of shadows, or a league so, of assassins. Well, league of assassins. I think assassins probably got them. And yeah. maybe that you know, obviously Bruce goes off in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But I the way I don't like I'm... that idea that they haven't just locked Bruce up. Yes. I like the fact that they are now effectively trying to persuade him and do something with him. And I really like that kind of idea. Um, yeah. Really fought for Bruce as well. Definitely. Um, and it's no offense to Alfred's teaching boxing and those fighting skills absolutely required, but this is taking it into that more mystical direction. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we see the talon 
comeback. We as do, well. yes. That was quite interesting because obviously the a Talon, new Talon. Yeah, the Talon was murdered. So this is obviously a new one or, or um, a replacement, or potentially he was brought back from the dead. We have that has happened quite a lot on Gotham as well. So maybe it is the Talon that was murdered and um, has come back. Yeah, uh, that's the other option there for Bruce as well. Maybe he's being trained to be a Talon in future. Maybe um, we we will talk about it. We'll get on to that point now, really, I suppose, because there's not really too much more to say about the weapon, is there? Well, other than I do like the fact that when the Talon comes out to protect um, that Indian hill crate, mm-hmm. that A, the guard loses his head yes. in, in a nice Gotham brutal way. Uh-huh. Um, but I love the fact that Babs and Tabs just effectively make a, a run for the, the nearest exit. Um, they really do recognize that the Talon has got certain skills and strengths that maybe even be beyond them. I do feel sorry for the guys, the, the guys that were backing them <laughs> yeah. up. They were, they were, there was no even call out to say, yeah. guys, run this. No, yeah. The two of us but, just go. Yeah, Babs just kind of like, <laughs> just passes Tabitha and was yeah. like, right, door. Um, really loved that yeah. moment. Um, cool. Like, save your own skins. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Babs and Tabs head for the exit. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, to our final point, Bruce's strange trip. This is one of the best looking sequences that we've seen in Gotham. I think we've had we've had a few kind of things like this before, but um, I really enjoyed this moment because it gives you David Mazous in a brand new situation as Bruce, um, where he is being made relive the worst moment and the worst night in his life. Yeah, it is also fascinating to see young Bruce and current Bruce in Absolutely. the same scene together. David was so young in that pilot. Yeah. And you don't really realise how how young he was until you see them pretty much side by side in this episode. Absolutely, um, come along, come on, come along a long way. Uh, but it is really difficult, and and David plays it fantastically, where he's he's screaming effectively in in, in a, a withheld way a bit, but he's screaming to the guy, going, "Why are you making me relive that night? Why are you forcing me to go through that moment over and over again?" Uh, we know that's something that Batman does for his entire life is relive that horrible moment of his life so being forced to relive it must be really painful for definitely but the shaman here really does seem to be saying like this is what you're most afraid of this mm-hmm. is the thing holding you back from what we see you can become or you can do for us in gotham and mm-hmm. um, but yeah i mean it was First of all, I loved the the sort of the the cloudy eyes, the pupils rolling back. I loved him coming out of it and the pupil. So the effect there was really, really well done. And even just kind of the 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 sort of powdery smoking ends of those those needles. Yeah. Um, I really liked that. And I think yeah, absolutely. Um, the the look of trauma on grown up uh, David Mazus's face. He did that so well, seeing his former self and his mum and dad walking past him and getting murdered, the trauma that he showed on his face. And then when he's back in reality, the, you know, the panic, the kind of almost claustrophobicness that's been, um, that he feels because of, of that traumatic event. I thought it was played absolutely really, really well. Um, I thought it was top notch. Um, And I, yeah, I mean, the other great thing as well is that not only is it accessing memories, but you can relive them again. But it seems, you know, there's a great moment where Bruce and is trying to um, sort of punch, uh, trying to fight with the shaman who is 
absolutely heads and tail above uh, Bruce. Yeah. You know, Bruce is no match for this guy. Um, and who then super punches him, like proper sort of Matrix style, and down the alleyway i was i was thinking of of the neo uh fight yeah from, definitely from Matrix but Trigger. the great thing about this is that when he's back in the cell in that reality and mm-hmm. um, the wound is still there Absolutely. so he it's can and um, he can be injured within his mind mm. when transported the into that memory through this um, this hallucinogen. Yeah. Um, there are physical consequences to it, which is kind of interesting. Probably, if he makes use of this in, in, in some way. Um, but I was just thinking, you know, who is this shaman? You know, like the other thing about that that, that hallucinogen, it does kind of feel like the fear toxin that we that we know from Scarecrow. It yeah, does yeah. kind of feel a little bit like that. So potentially, there's another little character being laid up there or something uh, possibly I'd love to see the Scarecrow come back of course of course absolutely great to see Charlie Tahan back who played uh, played Jonathan um, Jonathan Crane in the in in series one I thought he was excellent I really love to see him back uh, on the on the show Mm -hmm. but you know who is who is this shaman because you know for me is he the head of the court that Catherine referred to is he just a shaman Mm -hmm. is he just a teacher or is he Raz al Ghul in some other form or part of his League of Assassins or mm-hmm. League of Shadows? Um, you know, yeah, yeah. because Raish al Ghul, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, because it it is moving uh, Bruce and he, what he can learn if he really is accepting all of this. It's moving it into that mystical, magical world uh, and and deception and you know like the power that going into your memory and reliving it for a detective mm-hmm, absolutely you know, is massively powerful and um, i really liked uh, that so i can't wait to see how the shaman uh, pans out really yeah. and who he is um i know raz al ghul is obviously sl- um slated in he's coming yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. Um, I can't remember the actor's name. Um, he was obviously um, in Game of Thrones and Deep Space Nine. Alexander Siddiq, I believe his name. Was it Deep Space Nine or yeah, was it Deep Voyager? Space yeah, no, Deep yeah. Space Nine. It was Deep. And so, it, you know, it's not him. But it could be him under mask. Exactly. Could be, could yeah. Some deception there. We don't actually know whether this is real life. How if it is real life and it's not all in a in a, a, a hallucinogenic dream. How is the whole corridor thing happening? You know, how are they able to control that? I did love that moment. It is a total standout of the episode as Bruce is trying to run to get away and comes back to the same cell and the shaman is standing inside the door going, can we begin now? Um, I just think that's a great little moment. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that's why I feel like it's all taking place in this kind of in his mind. Um, whatever way yeah. it's happening, it's taking place in his mind. So I wonder if Bruce has ever even actually left Gotham if this is happening all within his mind within Gotham. That would be really good. Or within a certain box on a Pier 9C. You never know. It could be there. Yeah. It could be inside the Indian Hill box. You never know. That would be very spooky. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's our top five points. A couple of notes about this episode, though. A couple of uh, a couple of very interesting moments within here. Aubrey James, Matt Aubrey, is back in town and is. in charge. The As Harvey says, the original crook is back um 
you know it was quite cool when when it came up absolutely on screen, fab when it came up on screen i just instantly laughed at this concept where it's like okay so yeah well you know the last mayor he was a he was a murderer and he was a um he took over from it, Aubrey James. He was a murderer. He came back from the dead and then went on a killing spree. And then Aubrey James got back into power. And then he loses in an election by a landslide vote to Oswald Cobblepot, who gets murdered and disappeared. Oh, should we might as well give it back to the former corrupt mayor who we all knew was corrupt, but we just keep giving he's the like, job to He's him. a boomerang. He keeps coming back. Yeah, it's great. You know? Um, it's great. But the next, the next note yeah. is obviously Babs. I love the moment when she's sitting in her big chair, taking the phone call, and answers it as Barbara Queen here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I love. So she's now thinking of herself. She's taken over from Oswald. She's gotten him she's out of the, the way. She's the Queen of Gotham. She is the new Queen of Gotham. Effectively taken over from Fish Mooney as the former Queen of Gotham, which is quite cool. What I also loved is a nice little touch here. Um, music has always been really important in the show. I love when they're able to get a song that really stands out. Effectively, Jim, Jim has described the person that he's got to go back to and ask um, and ask to help him out once again, another favour, effectively. And as it pans into the Sirens Bar, we hear Love Hurts by Nazareth, which is pretty much their entire relationship summed up in a song, isn't it? Big time, big time. <laughs> That's quite cool. And of course, we get the return of the Holy Cannoli uh, Batman. Um, <laughs> yes, the Cannoli makes a, a lovely little cameo here. This time it's not poisoned. No. Or was it? No, I don't think so. Were they shot before because Gabe maybe was trying to poison them? Who knows? Um, but certainly it didn't seem as though the cannoli was poisoned. I do like but it. Yes, it's, it's a, a nice little cameo. Yeah. Cameo cannoli. It's a touch that almost says, Oswald, you know, if you had your normal faculties about you the way you had in season one, you could easily have taken these guys out with just a box of cannolis, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Uh, John, bullockisms of the week? Yeah, um, I absolutely love it when he turns to Jim and he says, I like the family reunion you're having. Um, you know, Jim what, has just found out that his uncle ordered a hit on um, on on his father, uh-huh. that his father was a member of this secret organization that controls everything, uh, that controls everything along with his uncle, the deception, the the lies, the just everything. Yeah, I... And, Harvey has that great line. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think my one is the same scene, I believe. Um, It's effectively where he's saying to him, have you thought that maybe Frank is telling you the truth? Um, And goes, I guess guess it's just me. I give apocalyptic warnings the benefit of the day. He says, nice little little moment. If you have a a bullockism of the week, all you need to do is email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and you'll be in with the chance of winning a Harvey Bullock pop final, which you can see down just behind uh, John's elbow there um, the first season of uh, of Gotham cards the base cards for the uh, Gotham trading cards season one uh, donated to us by one of our listeners uh, we'll be giving that away at the end of the season where um, we've been keeping them uh, keeping them back as hoping that the UK will be getting uh, awesome cards in there uh, hoping that the UK will be getting Gotham pretty soon but um, by the end of the season we'll be giving those away and probably throwing a few more prizes since we've made you wait a little bit longer than yes exactly exactly and for me for this episode mm. I. This is going to be a shocker. Right. Okay. This is going to be like buses. Um, I'm giving this five bloody primroses out of five. Wow. Um, and dare I say it? Say on revision, mm-hmm. I would knock it. I would knock the Jerome episode 
back, just in terms of relative. Okay. It's still a 5 out of 5, absolutely, and I stand by that. Yep. But I think this is my favourite episode so far. Wow. I absolutely really enjoyed Jim's story in this with his Uncle Frank, with Harvey. It felt like there was a proper investigation going on. I love the little bits of hilarity as well that are still maintained there with from Aubrey uh, James being put as a temporary mayor yeah. to the odd couple. I loved Ivy and Oswald's interaction. The mic drop of Gabe actually not being that loyal after all because yeah. I love that character. That was a, a true shock. I think uh, Oswald accepting his freakism and, and and going with it and how that's going to play out. But I, I think as well with Bruce, we've seen the start of, of, of Batman's journey effectively. And this is a prequel, you know, it, to the Batman entering and, and saying, hi-de-ho kind of thing. Is it? You know, yes, it, <laughs> but, you know, okay, we've seen that purely in the pilot with him witnessing his mum and dad's murder. Absolutely. But similarly we've seen it with alfred and i feel this is a really one of those big steps you know when alfred started training him and what they were going to do mm-hmm. and i think that was at the end of the jerome episode so yeah. like and now we have this big step of him moving into potentially a different world you know and then we have jim involving himself to some degree with the course of owls yeah yeah um i really did absolutely enjoy all of this and i think um yeah i i give this a five bloody primroses out of five nice nice so really what we need is ben mckenzie directing ben mckenzie and having a nice arc for jim gordon that's, yeah that's kind of I mean, the, you think of all right. that yeah, stuff yeah. happening in this episode it's just as important just and, and really well shot i mean you, you have ivy's um smell tell yep. perfume you have um you you've got this um these hallucinogenic acupuncture need like really good and it, it's just like this is really good how they're doing this and mm-hmm. um, with so many different ensemble pieces and story arcs going on developing them keeping it light keeping it serious keeping it meaningful and um, but certainly i think jim and uncle frank's confrontations and 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 talks in this was really really good yeah. and i think bruce with the shaman absolutely excellent i suppose, I suppose and, if, and yeah, ivy and, and oswald yeah. um together i suppose if you've been in almost every scene since the beginning of the season that you really do know the show as well as Ben McKenzie knows the show and a, and a, a great script overall from Robert Holt. I want to take absolutely. All the way and then the cast are obviously always great, but yeah, really interesting. That's a, that's another five out of five for the season. Well done. Yeah, excellent. I think we need to go on to a little bit of feedback. A little technical issue there. Oops, camera yeah. fell over. Okay, uh, sorry. So, uh, so a slightly different picture uh, for our feedback. So we lost lost the previous bit of feedback, but our feedback for this week comes from Claire Payne. Um, on this episode, she says, Ivy Pepper is a colourful joy of fresh air. I've really enjoyed her interactions with Selena, Bruce and Alfred at the beginning of the season, but this episode really made you understand the crazy plant lady. Maggie Gihal manages to balance a certain amount of maturity, enthusiasm and still makes you believe you're watching a 15, 16 year old girl, even if she doesn't look like one. 
Ivy's natural perception with Gabe was an interesting turn. Ivy impressed me how she is fearless around Oswald and I automatically thought they would become friends because she rescued nursed Oswald back to good health. In Oswald's own prickly defensive way, he thinks it's kind of ridiculous that she would be such a uh, friend's a freak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I know. I love this character. Really, really enjoying the interaction she has with Oswald, particularly in this episode. Um, and again, he's just not grateful at all for everything that she's done for him. Absolutely. I really think we got to see I've, the new incarnation of Ivy Pepper really properly for the first time. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen her with, with Bruce and, and Selena. We've seen her off on her own things, you know, taking. Uh, expensive items off older gentlemen but this i really enjoyed um uh, her interaction with oswald i i really felt it was kind of a a coming of age or of this character now she's kind of made that connection with gotham's underworld like until selena ultimately turns into catwoman mm-hmm. uh, she hasn't had other than being a street urchin that's true, yeah, that's true. Uh, Claire goes on to say, I really enjoyed the scene where Ivy and Oswald are tied up and she knows Oswald how he's is going to use her truth potion and put, instructs one of Gabe's gang to kill them all. Uh, I found it really interesting that Oswald was willing to see if Gabe could become that loyal allegiance that he always thought he was, but unfortunately he only let him followed him out of fear with no respect at all and always thought of him as a freak. Um, R.I.P. Gabe. I'm sad he wasn't the character that would remain loyal to Penguin, but it looks like Ivy is going to be the one who's going to be loyal to her on her own terms. Uh, revealing her connections to Selina and knowing about the people at Indian Hill, they could start their own army of freaks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon freaks are on the way. I think so. Rejoice. <laughs> Welcome back, freaks. Claire goes on to say, So Bruce gets a visit from the Temple Shaman. He essentially working with the Court of Owls, but only sees them as a tool. I really felt this part of the episode really showed the true beginnings of Bruce Wayne becoming the Batman. He is asked to pick a direction, taken back to the alleyway where his parents were killed, and brought back as he needs to move on before he can be fully prepared to learn. Gotham needs a protector, a symbol against fear. These scenes were so rich with direction and information that I'm so glad they have developed Bruce's storyline as much as they have with the villains of Gotham. Definitely. Um, and we think they're the Court of Owls, but maybe there's someone else behind the Court of Owls. Like a Russian doll. Maybe, maybe, yeah, there could be something a, else. A maestro within a maestro within a maestro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be, could be. We never know who the real leader is behind this guy. Definitely, but I do. I think this is a really interesting turn for, for Bruce Wayne. And certainly that idea of... Um, deception, deceptive um, kind of uh, or sorry, detective work I should Mm -hmm. say, really seems to be an interesting part here Um, and you know he won't want to be bound by the course of owls I wouldn't have thought, so this is going to end up being a really interesting storyline, definitely Yeah, Yeah, really looking forward to it, he's definitely learning some tricks or will hopefully learn some tricks from from the shaman here uh, that he will use in the future as Batman. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Claire goes on to say, the beginning of this episode was instantly captivating with the Court of Owls meeting held by Catherine and involving Frank Gordon. Definitely. With a vote in agreement, judgment has passed, Gotham must fall. Mm-hmm. Revealing Frank was the actual reason for Jim's father's death was told really well between Falcone, Jim and the court with Frank killing himself. 
Harvey, now knowing about the existence of the court and the arrival of a limousine to take Jim off to the Court of Owls, which I have to say, at the end of the episode, was so good how Gotham End titles appears. Yeah. Absolutely, I really agree that I thought um, I thought this was a really strong, solid um, story for Jim um, as both a detective and just as a person, having that family connection. Um, you know, and it, it was a really good interaction with Harvey as his colleague as well. I think harking back much more to some of the earlier episodes of season one, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they really paired up. And it was good to see Harvey getting, a, a, you know, again, another good little meaty role within this episode. Yeah. Definitely. Um Claire uh, finishes off with Ben McKenzie's director debut was so, so good. It must be so strange to direct yourself. I do hope he directs another episode in season four, and I will look forward to watching the episode Ben has written in season four. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, definitely. By one of the cast members as well. Written, directed, and dare I say, starred in, I think, might be uh, (laughs) appearing on the opening credits of of Gotham. Someday. It is difficult directing yourself. That's why I direct John all the time. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for that feedback. Yes, thanks so much for that feedback, Claire. Or Penguin Pact, maybe. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Claire, um, for that feedback again. Really good stuff, uh, and we're so glad you're enjoying season season three of Gotham. Yeah, pretty much as much as we are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to send in any feedback to us, uh, just email us over at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Come join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash gothamtvpodcast. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get all of our coverage for the rest of the season of Gotham over at gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes for Apple Podcasts or search for us on any good or villainous podcast catcher under Gotham TV Podcast. Absolutely. And of course, you can watch our episodes on YouTube every Wednesday or, as Derek has said, go and listen to it on our podcast with one of those podcast catchers. Absolutely. It's like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It is. It is. But less nets and less... Hook noses. <laughs> well, there's a lot of hook noses with the penguin in, the, in this episode. In every that episode. is true, actually. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, the penguin is the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But we'll be back with episode 17 of Gotham next week. Um, looking forward to yeah, absolutely. Always. Oh, this has been a great season. Really been yeah. enjoying it. Thank you so much for joining us. See you again next week. Absolutely. I'm off to eat some uh, unpoisoned cannoli this time. As always, it's been uh, fantastic speaking with you, and we will be with you next time. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.